Welcome to Two Takes on the Pod. My name is Osai, and on this podcast, I take on themes exploring culture, society, and humanity from the viewpoint of Africans home and abroad. On this episode, David Ezomo, fashion designer and founder of Zalahari Designs, joins the show. We start with his background and how he found fashion design while attending school in Nigeria. He later learns it may have always been in the cards for him, aka it's in the blood. Later on, he finds himself here in Canada, and we explore how attending school for fashion arts and the Nigerian and Canadian or North American culture influenced his approach to fashion. We end on the business side of things. We talk price versus value, which kind of leads to an interesting tangent, um, recognition, and the importance of friends, families, and supporters. This episode feels like a real coming-of-age story, and David is a real genuine guy, so I think you appreciate the personality as well as the story. Enjoy the show. One of the first things I like to do, uh, you know, before when I have a guest coming on, I do this thing called quick takes, right? And uh, quick takes is essentially a rapid fire question, right? Okay. So rapid fire question. So I'll ask you a couple of things and you have to pick one and we'll okay. go on and on and on. Um, okay. I don't have too many for you because I, I, I know a little bit, but I don't know enough. So I'll, <laughs> I'll try and um, I'll, I'll try and like keep it interesting and, and then we'll go from there. All okay. right. Good. All right. Um, so the first thing is, Louis Vuitton or Fendi? Um, Louis Vuitton. Ah, you were close. You were, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> I, thought it, I thought it was a sure winner for that one. Um, Three-piece <laughs> or double-breasted? Uh, I'm a double-breasted person. I noticed. I noticed. I like, I like the double-breasted, so they are fine. Yeah. Um, couture or ready-to-wear? Obviously, couture. <laughs> Obviously. Easily. Easily. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Um, Brampton or Mississauga? I wasn't sure which, which area you were Um, I think it's definitely going to be Mississauga. Brampton, I can't do it. So. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I hope no Brampton clients is listening to me. <laughs> I think they'll understand. I think they'll, I think we all understand. Um, bow tie versus regular tie? Uh, slim tie. Nice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's oh, yeah, true. Yeah. I noticed that too for you as well with the, with the bottom cutoff. Yeah, um, yeah. linens or lace? Uh, lace. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of lace. If you look at most of my design, I, I noticed. Recently, yeah. I've been trying to incorporate lace into most of my designs, even if it has to be cut out in applique, stuff like that. Right. So, yeah, and I noticed yeah, that um, with some of the tops. Yeah. yeah, with some of the tops, and then you have the mixed thing, which we'll get into a little yeah. bit later. 
Um, okay, with suits, sneakers or drivers? Uh, sneakers. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And uh, the last one um, for a wedding or a big African event, Agbada or Tuxedo? Agbada, easily. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, and that is quick takes, man. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, I, I think you enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, sure, it was good. Sure. It's a nice, it's a nice little, you know, uh, opener. So I, I enjoy it, and now it's always interesting to see because a lot of times it's me um, trying to understand my guests, trying to figure yeah. out, you know, maybe the things I'm not so sure about. Because yeah, there's a lot of sneakers in your outfits, and then there's the drivers. So, um, yeah. but yeah, that that's essentially it. So I guess the first question I have to ask you is, you know, how did you get into fashion design, styling, all of that? Okay, for me, get, getting into fashion, it's talking about how I got into fashion. It's more uh, personal for me because, but I'm still going to share it. So um, I got into fashion out of the um, struggle of, um, you know, making myself a better person mm. and trying to make a living for myself. Mm. So I, I grew up in, you know, um, a will to do family, but at a certain point, life was challenging, and I had to, you know, go to school. I have to, you know, um, make your way. Yeah, make things happen for myself, and things were not coming. But I, I realized um, while I was in college in Nigeria, um, I like to wear clothes. So most of the time, um, my feeding money, I kind of, you know, sometimes starve myself and save little money just to get clothes. And I have this colleague of mine, this classmate of mine then in school, um, is into um, made-to-measure clothes, like custom clothing. Mm. So I used to get clothes from him, and everyone always kind of compliment me and like, okay, we like what you're wearing, who makes it? I always just refer, obviously I refer them to the guy. So out of, you know, out of the struggle of trying to make something happen for myself and I realized, you know, I'm making more money for this guy referring people to him, right? Why I'm struggling to, you know, make a living for myself due to the, you know, challenges then, you know. So I um, actually took it upon myself to ask my friend to teach me whatever he's doing. So I asked him and he was like, yeah, why not? I'm going to teach you how to go about it and, you know, then it wasn't about designing and stuff. It's just about, you know, getting pictures um, of other people's design mm-hmm. and showing it to a client. And if the client has it, all I have to do is go to the um, go to the fabric store, get a fabric, get somebody to make it, and then you know deliver it. So it's more like a marketing kind of fashion right. thing. So right. that's that's the the major way that's the first way at which i get into doing so, fashion. so you weren't necessarily yeah. making it but you knew the guy that was making it and then your position was uh to basically get the people in basically style yourself you know market exactly. yourself and then yeah. now they're coming to you now you've now made a business out of the position that you were playing that's interesting that's exactly awesome. yeah so i just i just it was kind of challenging at first because the guy is my classmate in school so right. you know sometimes guys with this you're trying to ask your friend to teach you how to do certain things but, right you know but i thought about it i'm like you know what if i really think this is what 
I'm interested in and I want to get out of the situation that I am. You know, mm-hmm. I just have to humble myself and ask questions and ask for help if right. there's somebody I feel that can help me. So that, that was how I got into like fashion initially. So, but at the end of the day, I found out it was kind of hereditary. You know, when you start asking questions and people start seeing what you do, then, you know, people will start talking. So mm-hmm. my mom actually make reference to a dad, which is my granddad, that he mm-hmm. used to be a tailor. He used to popularly known as a tailor back oh, in wow. Ondo State in Nigeria. And my mom also sews and my elder sister sews. So oh, wow. It, it was easy <laughs> to it's, just it's connect the family. God. I'm like, right. okay, so it's in the family, but for me, maybe that wasn't how I was made to introduce myself into the, the right. line of this. But due to life challenges and myself right. trying to make a living for myself, you know, mm-hmm. I, that was what got me into fashion initially. It wasn't actually the passion or the right. It wasn't actually the passion or the zeal, you know, like mm-hmm. most day I love. Uh, me, I was just trying to put food on my table and right. you know, pay my institutions and okay. you know. Right. All of that. And but, but at but, the end of the mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. But I was gonna say, like, I mean, it is the passion, right? Because what it actually started off was you wanting to look fly, even yeah, if you, yeah. you know, like you're making you know, yeah. you're doing what you can to chop, but you, yeah, you still yeah. wanted to look fly. So there was something in there, like yeah, whether yeah. whether and you know, and that's such a good thing too, because sometimes you don't know it, right? You're just doing you're just doing how you like to do, yeah. you know, dressing how you like to dress, and people are not coming to tell you, hey. And then you know, instinctively you find somebody who knows who knows how to make it. So now that's a great opportunity. It's a good connection. So to me, it just seems like it was a natural progression for real. So you know, you know, props to you. So did you were you doing this marketing thing all the way through university? Is that you know when did you now take it a step further? Was it you know just yeah like- yeah? So what what happened was that um, at first I started as the marketing thing. What the guy taught me how to do and right. And I was, you know, I was working for the guy too on the on the low, right? Because you know, you still have to, you know, back home. This apprentice thing is not about who is your senior; it's about who knows the way. Like right. you say, you have to follow, follow who knows no the road. Yes. Follow who knows the road. The head. Right. So you know, so right. I was just trying to follow the guy and understudy some of the things. He introduced me to the tailors and everything. But at a point in time, I started growing my own connection too. Obviously, I started. <clears throat> meeting other people, meeting other tailors, you know, so right. I, I feel my own connection. But a point came um, in my life that turned around the whole thing. So I sat on one day and I realized I was losing more money in terms of um, the cost of paying a tailor to tailor my garment, the cost mm-hmm. of running around, mm-hmm. the cost of buying fabric. At the end right. of the day, I'm left with peanuts. Right. right. So I told myself the only way I can, I can save cost on fabric because I don't produce fabric. I'll definitely have to buy from the mm-hmm. store. I can right. save cost on mobility. Obviously, I'll still have to pay for transport. And the only thing I can save cost on is actually making the garment myself. Interesting. So um, I thought it would be ideal for me if I, even if I would still have to use those guys, but at least it would be ideal for me to learn the trade and right. know the hands on the practical part of know tailoring so um i have one of my tailor that i kind of built a relationship with so it became mm-hmm. more like a friend so i woke up to him and i asked him to like i mean this is what i want to do i'm not going to stop giving you garments to make for me but still i just want to have this skill to right. you know, 
be able to, in terms of emergency, I can always help myself out instead of right. bothering you know. So he actually buys the idea. So after school, I would just go to the to the shop and then sit down and watch whatever he's doing, you know, and then I'll go home. And after a point in time, I, you know, I took a step of faith and I bought my first machine. This <laughs> manual, you know, those those manual machines yeah, there yeah, back yeah. in Nigeria. So sometimes I may just wake up at night, try some of the things I learned from the store. And, you know, with time I started, you know, something that you practice over and over and over again, mm-hmm. you know, even without somebody teaching you, your instinct starts to tell you how to maneuver things. Right. So I started, mm-hmm. you know, learning some of this trick myself. And again, nobody's an island. I think YouTube also helped me in times of, all of this basic sewing right. tricks, right? right? So I watched on YouTube, I learned from the guy, and after some time, I was comfortable doing my own thing, my own way, and I started learning, you know, started coming up with my own tricks. Mm. You know, at a point in time, a time came where I realized that I was doing things I wasn't even taught because Interesting. over time I was able to master the basics and then right. the complex things you can always just... Build on, build on that. Yeah, so how long before you kind of start realizing, hey, I can I can make clothes for other people now? Like, you know, between uh, it took when about you like, got... Yeah, I'll say it took about like um, a year. Wow. It took about it took about a year because all through those years, I wasn't actually... Um, you were watching, but you weren't doing. I was still giving, you know, clients um, right. job to the tailors and then... Um, I think I do more of attrition's myself. So instead right. of taking attrition to the guy, if there's anything that needs fitting or a man, man, and then right. yeah, I just kind of make all those attrition's myself. That was all. This was all through my years in you know in Nigeria. So when I came to Canada, you know, there was just only one way I could go. You know, based on <laughs> <laughs> based right. on my experience and based right. of things I've seen. You know, and then you know. When I first came to Canada in 2016, it was this thing about Canada is not a fashion country that if I have to do fashion, I have to go to, the I have to, go to the stage, you know. I understand that. I mean, quite all right. I understand that because even before my decision to come to Canada, my, um, my aspiration was to study fashion at Instituto Maragoni in Italy, right? So it's oh. one of the big yeah, it's fashion top schools, right? Yeah, but I mean... The fund wasn't there for me to take up that, you know, take up that aspiration. And for the fact that my three years study tuition in Seneca would be like a year tuition there in Italy, you know, yeah, says a whole lot about yeah. what the cost of, you know, yeah, but you can't blame those guys elites, because yeah, it's elites, you understand it's, the, yeah. yeah, you understand the um the guys that have gone through some of those schools, you know. Right. They have, big top Italian designers even right. from the US too. So right. um I mean I just have to make whatever situation I have, I just have to make work for yourself. My situation. So I'm like, okay, I'm here in Canada. I'm not gonna back out now of this vision or this aspiration that I have fashion. Even if it's not a fashion country, I mean the the, the better it is for me, right? If there's no <laughs> <laughs> right, more opportunity. <laughs> more opportunity. That, that, that means there's more clients, right? Right, right. Much people doing it. If there's no more tailors or there's no more designer, that means the more, I mean, the more clients I get to get, right? right. So I took that challenge. I was like, okay, I'll go to fashion school here. So I went to Seneca. I, I did fashion art for three years. 
Mm -hmm. I graduated in 2019, uh, summer of 2019. And yeah, and that has been my journey to, you know, fashion design. Would you say like now when you were done school and you were now ready to come to Canada, you in your mind you're like, okay, fashion, fashion design, that's that's kind of where I'm going. Yeah, you sure? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it was crystal clear, right? Right. So it wasn't like. <laughs> right. I mean, at this point, there was nothing anybody could motivate me or discourage right. me, right? So yes. I, I was more like my own motivation, right? right. Because I've, I've seen it, I've seen it work, even in. Right even in a challenging economy. Mm -hmm. I've mm -hmm. seen it work. So I believe if it can work in a challenging economy, it can work in a striving one. Right. It's just going to take a little time, right? right? So I just buy into that challenge for myself and uh, it's been a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, I can imagine. So with Seneca, uh, did you what, you, what would you say you took away from, you know, having, because basically you were self-taught from what I'm yeah. hearing for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, now going to school for fashion art. So that that's like more of a high level, right? That's like, yeah. fashion yeah, yeah. art that, is like that's... couture, right? It's like, it's a, it's a different kind of, it's not just ready to, uh, how would you even describe it? Let me, let me ask Yeah, that. so, so I think um, basically what I've been doing prior to coming to Canada and studying in at Seneca, it's been more or less like, um, what are we called um handmade tailoring right right so it's more like the traditional tailoring you know uh tailoring program you know mm -hmm. so basically that's what i could do i could um i could do a freehand sketch on fabric i could do it freehand pattern on chalk on fabric and just cut the fabric and just sew and you know just sometimes you use your eye to mark or there should be what it is, you know, those skills are very, very important for you to grow. But I, I understand that if I want to expand my business, you know, on an industrial scale, then I have to, you know, be knowledgeable on how to do that, which all the experiences I have back home never taught me how to, right. how to do that, right? Or how to market my, unpackage my brand on, um, on, on uh, an international level right. or how to, you know, how to scale my business and like industrial scaling, you know. So when I went to Seneca, I was able to learn all that about industrial fashion, right? And how to, you know, create patterns and create the patterns, mass produce, you know, all those other things that would have been a little bit of a challenge. And then uh, fashion has really evolved from, you know, chalk on fabric now everything is digitized you know mm. like making pattern i can make my pattern on the computer and you know, right. just print it out from the printer and then you have machines that will cut the fabric and oh, wow. you know all, all sort of that so it's it's a really really <laughs> it's an easy way of making life easy and right. maximizing your time right and also you can you can upskill and right you, you know, can mass produce production mass produce yeah Awesome. That's, that's, you know, that's really interesting. So I think a lot of people, you know, they, they're looking from the outside, looking in, you know, they say, Hey, you're making the clothes anyway. You know, what's the difference? You already <laughs> figured it out. What's the point of going to school? So I wanted to you to really give some context to that, you know, yeah, um, yeah. 
I'm curious, were there any major influences now going in? So as you're starting to like watch the YouTube videos, you know, yeah. you, you have your, you know, you're, you're making friends that are tailors in Nigeria, and even yeah. coming here at Seneca, were there any people that you say, hey, you know, I see this person, I'm inspired by their style, and this is the kind of place I want to go? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Maya Tafo. I don't know if you know. I, I'm, I do not know who. <laughs> who, who <laughs> what does she do? Okay. Okay. Give me, give me okay. some okay. background. So, Let me so do my, my Google. So Maya Tafo is one of like, I'll say one of the big uh, made-to-measure um, designers in Nigeria. It does like custom suits mm. Mm. and custom wedding gowns and custom track. For, but I think it specializes mainly on made to measure and best book suit making interesting right. oh so, so she does a lot of okay so she she does both men's wear my attack is a male e, e. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm so sorry my uh my i apologize but um yeah. okay so 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 he does already men's. so does he do both men and women or is it typically yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah he's into both men and women's um garment making um he's really one of the guys that actually inspire me a lot um, based on the fact that he, 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 he wasn't into fashion, like from his early age, he grew into fashion after, you know, from his business, right? He used to be, um, I think he used to be one of the top manager in, in Nigerian Bureau of Guinness then. So before he retired and then he's doing like a fashion full time. Right. He so, retired from another career and started doing yeah, fashion. Yeah, yeah, another career that he was actually successful in. Doing. Wow. Yeah. Going to like fashion, you know. That's, so, in, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah, I would definitely yeah. look him up. Yeah, wow. yeah, you should. You should. Wow. You should. Wow. He's yeah. one of the guys I actually look up to. Uh, and then I also like um, Oscar de la Renta. Oscar de la Venta is, is like a US uh, based fashion designer. He's mm. one of the guys that's been like there forever. He does basically like women's wear. Mm. Yeah, but I think I caught most of my um, uh, most of my new ideas from his dresses, his inspiration. You know, like most of my new designs that has like the applique and stuff on my mm. jacket and those are inspiration I got from you know, Oscar de la Renta. So are, those two guys are like guys that I, you know, that I actually look up you to. Look up to and follow. That's yeah. uh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you have one from Nigeria and you have one, you know, from the, yeah, you know, yeah, makes yeah. sense. Makes that's sense. A, that's a whole lot of them, but those are like the two. The top two, right. Yeah, the top two, yeah. Right. No, that's that's awesome. Like, that's that's interesting to hear. And, you know, I think if anybody's listening out there, at least they know where to, you know, they have an idea where to look. Um, yeah. I didn't. I, you know, I've heard. I've heard of Oscar de la Renta, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough about fashion. I, as, yeah, as, I don't. As think, it's obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, yeah, Oscar de la Renta is a big fashion. House, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. They make all the uh, all the awards through. Uh, yeah, you know, I think outfits, he works right? mainly for like um, celebrities and then right. like um, U.S. government. You know, officials, first lady, those kind of people. Yeah. Wow, interesting, yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. by the way, like you know, I'm just curious from your perspective. Like, so as you see this, right? When some of these dresses are like fifty thousand dollars, and you know, yeah. all those crazy <laughs> numbers, you know, does it make sense to you? And and if it does, can you just break down maybe where that price point is coming from? I mean, I'm sure there's a you know, okay. there's a class or yeah, I'm just yeah. I'm, that's just for my own personal curiosity. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Like, let me let me tell you. Uh, 
there's no value to um, there's no value to creativity, right? There's no value to um, someone's intellect, right? So right. Right. That, that's that's the way I see it. It depends on how you as a person value yourself. It's all this thing is based on personal values, right? If you think you're what if you think you're what um, two hundred dollars, so be it. And there, there are people that will no. To be honest, right. there are people that will right. appreciate you. You know, and if you think you you what um, if you think you're worth a million dollars, so be it. Now, apart from what you're worth or what you're not, that's a difference between the everyday wear and the luxury wear, right? So it's we ha- we have to distinguish both so you don't get things mixed up, right? So like the everyday wear, for example, you want to have an everyday wear from maybe H and M, Zara, you know, Gap, you know. All those guys on this that is their that is the niche for their market because they right. want to serve people like every day, every day wear. But you see people like Alexander McQueen, you know, and all those other guys, they are not like the everyday wear kind of guys. They are, you know, they are special, you know, designer brand for you know luxury fashion. Right. So luxury fashion to some people might be everyday. Why to some people might just be, okay. no, might just be, yeah. So the difference I'm just gonna put out between you calling a garment fifty thousand dollars is just um, one. Um, the history of a brand would determine how much. This is true. That brand would worth, right? You know. So, for example, um, if that's a certain suit I'm going to make. I may be making that same suit from the same fabric as, you know, let me say George Armani, right? Mm-hmm. Everything, customization, everything, same thing. But I may not be able to sell that suit for the same price as George Armani won because that guy has built this brand over the years. This brand has been there for about 100 years before now. Mm-hmm. And two, your level of clients will determine what you charge. Right. For example, if I charge, if you charge, if that's a certain suit for like a thousand dollars, right? There's a certain side of certain set of client that would get towards that kind of garment, right? So not every client can afford a thousand dollar suit. Now, if you bring a thousand dollar suit to some certain client, they might they would think it's inferior right. irrespective of what you did. That command is made from, right? right? And if you bring that same suit to some certain client and he's going to tell you, man, this is way too expensive. It's way be- beyond, it's way beyond my budget, right? right. So things that, that determines the price of a certain garment is the target customer, the target, the target audience to which that right. garment is made for. Right. The certain garment is not made for everybody. There are some people, there are some brands that specifically make a garment, and this is the target audience. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to fashion school, they teach you all these things as part of the project that you do. Right. They want you to make a certain garment and they'll ask you to write about what do you think you are making this garment for? Who's going to wear this garment? To where's this person working? What's this person's family background? What's this person's income? 
you can't make it you can't make a five thousand dollar suit for someone that is earning minimum wage yeah. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm just saying you can't say yeah. you're making a five thousand dollar suit for for a student right for somebody that is occupation is a student or a minimum wage person it's not they can afford it probably their family might be rich or so but realistically it's not right. ideal right you're making it for that family as exactly so right. when you right. see a certain garment being placed on certain price tag they already have a target right a target customer mm. for that certain brand so you're going to see it online you're going to scream it's expensive but i'm telling you in a few days that garment will be sold right <laughs> so <laughs> so every garment has their as their as their price point their target audience yeah. and the price point yeah, that associated exactly with that. they have their, their target and sometimes too the time and the effort put into making custom garment is way different from making a ready-to-wear garment. For example, most ready-to-wear that we wear in Canada now, most of them are made in China, Bangladesh, you know, India, Thailand, you know, and most of those garments are made, um, you know, in mass production. Right. So, for example, if you make one thousand, if you make one thousand sweatshirt from a certain um, production company in China. It's gonna be the price you sell will be quite different from when you make one thousand sweatshirt from a production factory in Canada. Mm-hmm. It can be the same one because in China probably, um, I mean, it's just a disclaimer. Course, yeah. so, so nobody's quoting me, right? <laughs> so mo- most times it might be true, um, true forced labor. We've seen all these things. We've read of these things in news, right. and we've seen them happen through forced labor. And sometimes, some some of those workers are underpaid, under minimum wage. Right. And one thing that may make this price point available too is because most of this garment has been done by computers or machine, so they don't have to pay wages to computers or machine or so. So that way, they're able to cost on cost and labor and the only thing that takes most of the money is the shipping and logistics, right? right. So it's different from a garment that has been made by maybe just one or two person. That garment might take like maybe one month to make, depending on how complicated the design is going to be. So the price point is definitely going to be different based on right. what the clients, the... Um, the cost. fabric and yeah. all of that details that goes into the client, into mm-hmm. the garment, and to the time it right. takes, and also the maker. How much are you paying this person to make this garment? And all those things. There are so many variables that will determine what a price point would be for a certain be. garment. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah. Interesting. talked about a little bit of your background right um yeah. and now I'm, I'm curious when you know the fact that you're here in canada and, and honestly it would still be the same in nigeria you have to make traditional <laughs> clothes and you also yeah, have to make yeah. western western outfits yeah and yeah. you know especially when you're going to school for this how is yeah. this affecting how you approach your work you know in your head like it, does it have any influence at all or is this just all part of the program especially in school like you know there they're going to be typically teaching you to make western clothes yeah, How is that yeah. now being applied to maybe traditional wear? 
Yeah, yeah. So basically, because I I I kind of have my focus where I'm going to school. Right. So I already know most of the. I will not say. Let me just put it. I already know ninety nine percent of how to make the traditional wears attires, right? Like the kaftan, agbada, some of the basic um, formal wear, like the mm. pants, tunic tops, and stuff like that. You know, so um, I had that with me. So it's easy for me to, you know. You're building cope. on top of that. So going to school, I have a certain mindset because I initially started by making just menswear, right? So, um, but then I've been having some female from my church, from, you know, my neighbors just want me to make something for them, right? But I'm like, hey, I'm a menswear designer. I don't really... <laughs> do remains ever because i've been having like people like coming to me and they've been like a source of inspiration to me that why not you can do this just make something for me you know so that that was actually one of the one of my motivation going to fashion school in canada because um majority of my program was based on women's wear Mm. like from the first year to the second year was strictly based on women's wear. everything we taught was based on uh, women's garment, right? Mm. So it's only when you get to the final year you can now, even in the final year, it was all women's way. It's only when you're about to do your project that you can decide if you want to branch to a little bit of men's way. Or, but the program totally, it's more or less like women's way. So I was able to learn more of the women's way going to, you know, going into Seneca College, right? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And, and, like, so I'm just trying to understand because, so you're doing that. So now by the end, you, by the end of school, you can now do women's wear and men's wear. Does yeah. any of that learning in between, you know, does that help you sew men's stuff better? Like, you know, does, yeah. does, does it just, just, I'm guessing it helped improve your craft as a whole, right? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 The, the, the application is, the application is almost same thing. Mm. You know, they, they are kind of basic. Um, basic application to garment making, right? right. right. So taking measurement, creating patterns. Right. It's kind of same thing. And I realized that if you if you know how to make men's garment, I may be right and I'm, I may be wrong, but I'm only saying from my own personal experience, right? So if you know how to make a men's garment, it's it's a little bit easy for you to go into women's garment. Right. Then if you join women's garment, it's kind of challenging to go into men's. Kind of challenging to go into men's garment. So for me, I already have like basic, basic knowledge on men's garment or basic knowledge on tailoring and fashion in itself. So all I have to learn is just there are some other tricks mm-hmm. in women's garment making. That is quite complicating than right. that women. Means, the, the, right. the women's garment, it's a it's a it's complicated process. Stuff. I can imagine. It's a, compli- it's a complicated process because uh, you don't really the, have to explain because I've seen the female <laughs> client on its own is it's a different it's a different thing, right? Right. Yeah, they are the most challenging and the most interesting part. And actually at the end of the day, I think I begin to have more fun making more women's outfit because it challenged me right and then i'm always 
I'm always curious. I'm always anticipating to see what the final look would look right, like. Right, right. It seems like it seems like um, it seems like the women's wear allows you to be significantly more creative. Exactly. That's what it seems. That's what it seems. It makes like. you more. It makes you yeah. more creative, and it makes you. You have to think outside the box. Right. Women's wear. You know, right. men's wear. I just. It's straight. Very it's regular. Yeah. <laughs> Some men don't really care as long as it's fit. You just right. want it simple and just. Right. But obviously, you know, especially if you deal with African women and those that love to do the Owambe, you know, right. party kind of dresses, then you have to be extremely creative and pay right. attention to details and right. and everything. Yeah. Right. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, okay. So I'm curious about one more thing regarding this. Um, just in terms of what about the generations, especially with traditional wear? Yeah. Are there like, <laughs> preferences you know where that the aunties want to wear versus like the younger girls or um you know even for the guys like is, is are there trends yeah. that you have to you know since you started you know which i guess yeah. will be over you know six or seven years now at least seven years yeah, yeah. so so um are there trends and like you know i'm just curious about that because you know how do you even keep up is it the customer that's actually going to tell you okay this is what i want now this is what everybody's doing yeah. this is what i want or is it a completely yeah. different uh experience uh well fashion itself it's a evolving um industry right you have to make sure you are on top of it to you know to stay in touch with it because um if you don't you're just gonna be out of business easily, <laughs> easily. right Right. And that's why you see most of these top brands, they have like new collection every season. It's right. Every, let me every, take it from this year, direction. Yeah, In season. Nigeria, it's quite easy, right? Because we basically have like two seasons in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if we have two seasons, but basically we know there's a season for yeah, rain and stuff, dry. you know, yeah. or Amatan season, right? exactly, which yeah. actually do not define what we wear. Right, hundred percent. We can wear same kind of outfit year in year out, but over here we cannot. Right, so design over here is shaped by the season, mm. and every designer always wants to have that edge. You have to make sure you, you know, fast fashion. It's it's a different thing now because you have to make sure that every season that's a new collection, and you have to keep up with it. Because fast fashion will, will steal it, Abi. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, I know that 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 in a, in a way might have limits, you know, um, the level of creativity in fashion. Right. In the sense that the seasons are too close to each other mm. for you to actually design, source fabric, go through the, you know, go through the collection process, you know, the planning process before you know, before unveiling your collection and then before producing and it takes a lot of time, but you no, know, kudos to the guys doing it now. And they're really, you know, it's a whole lot of money in fashion now. So people actually, big brands are actually employing designers, lots of designers, lots of technical guys, mm. you know, to work in the background year in, year out and all those things that's mm. coming up. So based on, you know, how does that affect the generation to now, right? So, I'll say the generation now are more, <laughs> how would I put it, without offending, without offending the, the Gen Z generation, you know, <laughs> you know um, 
how would I put it? The, I think the generation now are very fashion forward. Mm. Like in the sense that the level of creativity is required is very high. Mm. And the level of expectation of the technicality is very high. Mm. You know, you see lots of government these days and you'll be wondering is this government, you know, modded or sun? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the level of competition. Now, now I'm, I'm not talking about ready to wear. Ready to wear is it's easy, like what I'm wearing. Mm. Sweatshirt, polo, those are really yeah, easy. I'm talking, right. about, I'm talking about custom garment or haute couture, or, you know, bespoke kind mm. of stuff, right? Mm. Those are, I mean, those are the major, you know, interesting to me, those are the major right. interesting part of fashion, you know, that, that I'm talking about. And, you know, over the years, I believe that people from, you know, the generation back do not really, do not really um, pay more emphasis on, you know, embellishment, you know, on embellishment of garment like, you know, um, stones, beads, and right. you know, appliques, and you know, corset making, structural. Even corset making in 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 the past used to be like an undergarment, mm. just to you know, just to make like to shape the just, yeah, right. just to, yeah, just to straighten the shape of the garment. But now you've seen corset on the, on the being top. more mm. being right. more vocal on the outside outer part of the right. outer part of the dress, right? So it's it's becoming, you know, the fashion is evolving. And right now you've seen more women trained to wear masculine kind of outfit. Right, right. You know, that, that's another way that the, the style is shaping. Right. And I almost say it's the right thing on this, the wrong thing, because I don't want anybody to quote me on this podcast, but you've seen <laughs> some... I will not use the word more now. You've seen some guys wear right more, um, more feminine, feminine kind of right outfits, kind, right. kind of right. outfit, right? So um, yeah, it's all becoming very the, uh, fluid. It's all becoming very complicated, and you know, I don't know if I'll call it interesting, but sometimes it's worrying. No, <laughs> for my now, yeah, for my for my own kind of ideal perspective to fashion, right, right, you, right, right. So, uh, but then yeah. the world is moving. And you, as an individual, cannot, you know, cannot shape what other people think or what they wear. They but want, you right. only, you know, you can only create your own standard. And whosoever is interested in what you're doing will definitely approach you. Right. You know, for whatever, right. for whatever you do. Yeah. So uh, I have this quote that you you listen. Speaking of quotes that you don't want to be quoted on, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have this quote from you, and it's a pretty good quote, right? You just say, yeah. "One of my everyday aspirations is to be able to tell the beautiful African stories through fashion, creating yeah. designs that promote cultural harmony, unity, and diversity through textile fusions and applique." So um, I thought that was really interesting because honestly, personally here, I also want to tell African stories, right? Um, yeah, and it's yeah. not just part about our history. It's about, you know, people like you who are doing something new, different, refreshing, and just really yeah, trying yeah. to step out of, you know, the typical, you know, day-to-day 
approach yeah, that's, that that we kind of have to do, you know, just to survive. So yeah. I, I really appreciate that. And you know, what it got me thinking about the system, you know, when you say, um, you know, you want to um, do true textile fusions, like it, it reminds me because, like, I feel like you seem to enjoy experimentation with your with your designs. You know, um, I've seen some yeah. really interesting, like the lace top was really interesting. You know, like with yeah. like regular Western pants. Um, yeah. And obviously, you have the lace and wool fusion. So yeah. I'm just saying, like, is this just a love for experimentation or is this you creatively trying to establish that cultural harmony you're speaking of? Where, where's all this, um, you know, coming from? Uh, well, I'll, 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 I'll put it this way. Um, I've always been a fan of African print, mm. uh, but, but then I, I feel like um, in order to reach the, the broader world, that's a limit to which the print can go. Mm. So I, I started thinking of a way of which, how can I connect, you know, how can I connect this, you know, this diverse culture with my, with my craft, right? Mm. So this, this, this is not a thing that I grew up with, right? right? So it's when I came into Canada, I understand, like, I, understand, I went to school, I met different people from different backgrounds, and I, and I saw how the government and how the society embrace multicultural you know diversity mm -hmm. you know and and that has always been in my mind to say okay you know so when you live in if you if you're in rome you have to act like the romance right so i'm like <laughs> okay all right i'm here in canada and yeah what can i do how, how can i how can my fashion how can my brand make an impact what statement can i make with the pieces that i create so i thought okay so the only way i can have a front run in this is to make sure that my pieces is well represented within diverse culture. Interesting. So, for example, like you cited the the custom dress pan, which is the former dress pan, mm. being you know being well with like a naked uh, lace top, right? Or, or the the part where we have like the the regular custom two piece suit with like a lace applique on it. Right. You know, I've also had a safari code with African print on it. It's just a way for me to, you know, create that unity within culture, create mm. that unity and that harmony within people to make people see that, you know, the world is one, right? Mm. So irrespective of your background or your culture, you will be interested in wearing stuff like this. And when stuff like this means you're in line to see that either you're black, either you're white from Europe or Africa, I see you as a human and I see you as a somebody, mm. you know, and not inferior to you and you're not inferior to me, you know. So that is the message I'm trying to pass every day through my designs. And I hope, you know, I'll be able to do that for as long as I can. Amen to that, man. Amen to that. I'll be here rooting yeah. for you for sure. <laughs> um, there's, there's something else that you've done, like that's, they're still in this experimental stage, experimentation stage. And I don't know if I see it a lot, but like, you know, one of your services um, is revamping, um, embellishing old suits, which you just talked about, like to some extent yeah. anyway, um, yeah. the applique, but um, you've also recycled Ankara. That's the thing that you yeah. kind of, yeah. so, so one, is this, is this normal? Is this standard in the industry? Or, and, and if not, what, you know, how did you get into that? How do you decide that? Hey, this is. Okay. Um, okay. So there's, 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 the, there's these um, course we did in school that we talked about sustainability and, mm. No, so on the sustainability, we have recycling and, and the rest of them. So, and 
from research, we found out that fashion may after the um, petroleum industry, right? Fashion is the second, you know, industry that amounts to the world population in terms of um, pollution. In terms of pollution, right, 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 right. No, in terms of pollution. So um, we've always been thinking of a way at which we can. You know, it's it's it was a big project in school, and you know, the, the school always encouraged every, you know, every student and fashion designer to find a way to create their pieces out of sustainable material, the material that can be recycled into other things, so that these things do just, you know, go into the garbage bag. From the garbage, it goes into, you know, it goes into Land the waste. And, right. and, and nobody knows where all these things are being dumped. Some of these things are just dumped in the ocean. And, right. you know, and all these things also amount to the effect that we have right now with global warming and the rest. So, so right. that was, I think I have some of the project, which was just from my school project on sustainability. And then I took it to my own personal, uh, I took it to my own personal uh, design. Right. I think at the point in time, I was working on one of my collection. I think it was 2018. And then af after I was done designing most of my collection, I had like pieces left over. I'm like, I'm not going to throw this pieces away. What can I do? Right. So the idea came to make like the chameleon bumper jacket, which I actually made from different pieces and I made it into a jacket. And as it would be that that pieces was the most selling pieces for that year for me. The wow. bumper jacket sold the more out of every other thing I created that year. Wow. So, you know. Wow, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That really is. Um, I, and I thought so too, but I didn't, you know, I was just, I wanted to get clarity on that. So, um, yeah. you know, I'm happy you kind of shared that, you know, in, in a very, yeah. very yeah. open way. Um, so I want to get into this before we get to, to the end. Um, you know, I think recognition is always a good thing, right? You know, it yeah. seems yeah. like, you know, people, first thing people recognize you for the way you dressed in school in Nigeria, that yeah. kind of sparked the whole thing, yeah. it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, so you were here and I'm looking, you know, I was going through your Instagram and, you know, you got recognized on um, Toronto's Breakfast Television um, for African Fashion Week. They had yeah. one of your outfits um, yeah. come on, 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 on TV. Yeah. What did yeah. that, what did that, what did that feel like, man? Like, what did it feel like for, you know, coming from Nigeria, just getting into school, <laughs> all of these kind of things? Like, you know, was that, what did that yeah. feel like for you? So, so the, the piece that was shown on, on that, um, on that section was my final year uh, project from school. Interesting. So, so that was while was, you were still in school. Yeah, I was still in school. Yeah. So that, that was my final year in school. So, and I think after my final year in school, that same year was the, uh, that would be my second year um, showcasing at the African Fashion Week. So I think one of the representatives from African Fashion Week reached out to me and was like, would I like to have my piece on the, the TV for exhibition? And I'm like, so why not? So the models came over, I sent the fabric, I sent the design to them and yeah, so they had my stuff until it was, uh, it was a level of encouragement for me because right. apart from it being air on that program, I had other people reposting it, right. I had people reaching out to me and say, hey, we saw your stuff on TV and, you know, <laughs> stuff like That's that awesome. and other push. And I threw that, to be honest, through that I got some clients that also came and like, hey, we saw your stuff, we like, can you make this for us? Can you make that? So. It, it was a win-win kind of thing and it was also a level of encouragement for That's me awesome. okay people really appreciate what i'm doing so just keep doing it 
Well, that's beautiful to hear. And I know you, you got some more recognition, right? I think Miss Africa Canada competition. I think you, yeah, your yeah. Was so uh, well. I've I've worked on on different projects, and yeah. So I think uh, one of them was um, uh, or making garment for the Miss African Canada pageant. I think um, the winner and the second. I had like I had like four contestants. I I did outfit for. Wow. I think one of the one of the contestants. Uh, when my dress won the best dress, right? And I and think two of my, uh, yeah, right. the, the winner and the runner up also were wearing my pieces. And back in school, I, I did represented my school in some competitions too. And the notable one was the the catwalk competition where we won uh, first prize oh, um, wow. for two. I and two of my other colleagues were sent out to represent the school and on the fashion. Um, competition and exhibition yeah so it's been yeah and day yeah, <laughs> yeah so it sounds pretty good to me <laughs> that sounds pretty good to me okay well you know i mean that, that that's awesome to hear i think sometimes you know you're, you're on it here and you know if people are wondering about you i think it's important to tell them hey like hey, you know i do this for real you know <laughs> yeah i've been i've done some things so that's why that's why i wanted to kind of acknowledge other things right um as a business owner you know you've had to run your business through the pandemic sure that yeah. impacts things um and you know you've been basically working on this since you were done school correct yeah so at least even while you were in school i think right like yeah. you were doing while you were in school so yeah. you know what are some of the challenges you have experienced running you know your business you know what are some of the things you know that um if someone do you air where to be starting up or thinking that this is all you know just being on TV and walking the park. Well, what's exactly <laughs> what's what what's um you know what have been some of those challenges and maybe you can talk a little bit about you know what you learned from them. Okay, yeah. So um I think one of the one of the major challenge every business owner, irrespective of whatever business you go into, will face with would be either you like it or not, the pressure from your client. Right. So you, mm. the other reason why you are in business, if there's no client, there's no business. So right. there will always be this challenge and this demand from your client. Right. You know, so you, you have to be really, really focused to be able to, you know, face most of those challenges from client because some client can be extremely difficult. Interesting. And so client can be very, very friendly. You just have to have this mindset that every client are not the same mm. and they are neg- they can never be the same because this client is smiling to you doesn't mean the other client is going to come smiling right you know so you have to be ready to deal with the challenges and the pressure that each client brings and mm. and they're coming to you for a reason you know that that's number one thing to appreciate so and that's that's a thing for you to be joyful for to mm. say okay this person is coming to me for it. Irrespective of the pressure they're going to bring, they believe that I can do this. That's why. So number one thing would be the pressure from the client. The client will always come with different kind of challenges. Uh, I think my own major challenges with client has been with dealing with African clients, most especially Nigerian. <laughs> so <laughs> especially what? Nigerian. You don't want to pay, Avi? <laughs> it's not like they don't want to pay, but you know, for, for the kind of some of the part of the service that i render right, right. so if they can get it cheaper from nigeria right right 
or when, when a client comes and I'm like, okay, you want to make this piece. For example, you want to make this kaftan. This kaftan is $200. You want to make Akbada. Akbada is $399. And they're like, ah, okay, what will you happen? This one are my house friends now. You know, <laughs> that I can easily get it. I can easily get it in Nigeria and ship right. it for a cheaper price. You no. Know? So that is one of the price, that is one of the challenge that I personally face in my business. Having mm. that Nigerian or African. Right. Right. Let me don't so put Africa. I'm not going to generalize all the Africa. I'm right. just a Nigerian client. Right. So you're just basically competing with the Nigerian price points. And I'm, I'm I'm competing big time with the Nigerian <laughs> with the Nigerian <laughs> price point. But there've been some amazing, you know, clients. Client, you know. Right. Right. So um, one of the challenge one can face is um, you know, it's um. Your, your personal creativity, your personal development, mm. right? Some people don't see it. Some people don't see it as a challenge, right? So, I mean, it depends on how you see things on the, on the broader level, on the broader scale, right? right. Or how you're trying to push yourself. But for me, I see personal development, you know, and personal creativity as a challenge. Mm. Because apart from anything else, that is what is keeping me in my business. The, the, the day you stop creating and the day you stop challenging yourself, you, you, you just wake up one day and you realize the world has moved on from whatever you think you're doing. Mm. And before you realize mm. it, you don't even have, you might not even have any client that is, mm. you know, that is, uh, that is still patronizing there. you anymore. Right, so, right. yeah. So one challenge for, for me is, you know, having you to constantly, you know, develop myself you know, to constantly create things, think out of the box, try to solve a problem. Mm. You know, I, I have this new Agbada style, you know, that I have the Wu and Lace Fusion. Right. It event variations and colors. And people have been asked, I mean, I've had some client call me and ask me about it. And some people, when they come, they're like, what makes you want to do this? Like, okay, the reason why I'm doing this is because I understand the weather condition in Canada. During winter, everybody's going to be in their hoodie. And, but, but during summer, nobody wants to feel that it's wearing a full piece at Bada and the heat and mm. everything. So it becomes a little bit uncomfortable for people wearing mm. three pieces. So I say, you know what? If I incorporate the lace and I have some, the, wool in it, the lace will be like, you know, the, the lace will allow more, you know, more yeah. fresh air to come into the body and stuff. So you can still being your three piece and not feel that much of a heat that, you know, that will come from not having, you know, channels for air to come in, come through. So that's, so it's, it's always a challenge trying to think and trying to solve problems for your clients and, you know, just doing everything make possible to make sure that, yeah, you're staying creativity, you're staying being creative and also you're solving, you're solving a problem, right. you know, right. on the other side. And one other thing too is any business cannot run away from unless your your updates is the fund, you know. <laughs> it's, it's the fund to to start your business, you know. Some business requires little funding, some business does not require fund at all, right? Some business mm -hmm. require a lot a large scale funding, just to, you just need to figure it out, you know, the kind of business you're going to. For my kind of business, I do not really need 
a big font to start, but definitely I needed font mm-hmm. at the beginning to to start operating. Um, I will just say this so that you know I don't know if the person is going to be hearing. So uh, when I came into Canada, um, you know, so font is obviously going to be an issue for a newcomer. You have to walk elsewhere and you know right. get font and do whatever you have to do. I think I, I needed a machine to start working. So this this woman in my church, Mrs. Osho. So she she gave me my first machine. Wow. So it was small machine from church and then she just she sold it to me yeah uh, she sold it as a seat to me so that was my first machine that i own in canada wow. if not i would have been looking for money <laughs> to get a machine so right. it was it, it it was a smooth start for me on that end so mm. and every other thing was just for clients to you know bring That's their fabric right. and then i that's so whatever the client is paying me i'm going to you know so going forward i realized that my my brand was growing bigger and I needed to and did on my machines to make my work faster. And, right. And then, you know, and then sometimes the money is enough. The money is not that coming in straight, going straight into the business back because part of the money I have to pay the tuition, pay my rent and right. So I right. have to take I have to take up other jobs outside, you know. Mm. I've been I've worked in the factory, I've worked in some other places just to, you know, fund myself to school and have some funds to get a bigger machine and, mm. you know, expand. So sometimes, it's not even sometimes, most times fund, it's always going to be a challenge unless right. you have access to loans or you have somebody right. to invest in your business right. at a particular time, right? Mm. So for me, this is one that, that's one of the challenges that I faced, like getting fund to, you know, expand right. my business but i realized that if nobody's gonna be <laughs> funding me then i have to do the extra work right i know this is my goal i want to be a full-time fashion designer do my thing but at that point in time i realized i needed money and that money wasn't coming from fashion at that time so right. i have to go to the factory i have to i was at a point in time in school i was working in the school fashion store you know i was doing all of that you know, yeah, making it work. Job. Yeah, right. I was making a little job just to fund myself and, you know. Right. And to get to where you are today. And yeah, you know so you're probably still, you're still trying to grow, but, you yeah, know. Yeah, I'm still trying to grow, but, you know, but, I mean, the business has expanded. Right. The client business expanded. Mm. Uh, we still, I mean, we are still accepting more clients, obviously. <laughs> and, yeah. So, I love that. Yourself. Yeah, that's pretty good, much, man. Yeah, so yeah, pretty much that's it. That's good. Um, you know, I, I mean, as your business is growing, I, I'm curious, like, you know, I, I don't know if you've already gotten to that point where you can't do all the designs yourself. Yeah. Right. But um, how what, how are you thinking about that? You know, in terms, especially you know, for a fashion designer, if you're not doing all the designs yourself, and you're yeah. getting to the point where now you need to even expand beyond just the mes- machine at this point, yeah. you know, yeah. you might need other people on staff. How, yeah, how, yeah. One, have you gotten to that point? And two, how do how would you navigate that? You know, especially and keep the same quality that maybe your or high standard that you have for yourself. Okay, pretty much right now I still do all of my designs myself, right? So, but then I don't necessarily tell all of my garment myself. Okay. So I have um, I have a group of um, 
guys I work with mm. in Canada and offshore, and uh, does most of my production. Mm. And um, so that way, um, I'm able to meet up with clients' demand. Right. You know, sometimes you know, it's just it's just very good to scale your uh, to scale your business because um, you might not at that point in time get hundred percent gain in what you feel you should be gaining from that business. But if you scale it up, for example, if I have a client that's paying $1,000 to make a suit and I want to make that suit myself, maybe the suit is going to take me two to three days to make. So, but if I have a client that is, you know, that wants to make like 10 suits, right? So I may not be able to make that 10 suit and meet up with a demand in time. Right. But I can design the suit and get other people to work work it out for me and then I pay them. But then I still get to make money from them, right? Right, right. In that way, I may not be gaining my 100% gain, but still I'm keeping my client. Right. And to make it. You're leaving, yeah, you're leaving money on the table if you try yeah, to do it yourself. Money, money on the table. But the goal would be to, to finally have our own... Um, production factory where we can employ people and train people on mm-hmm. how to how to do it on our own way right, right? for now we do not have that um only if we have an investor tomorrow well, next now, step one step after the other <laughs> next step, step, yeah, after, yeah. So, so, but for now we will still collaborate with other factories right collaborate with other um tailors and seamstress to mm. help us get our work done Nice. Yeah. No, I mean, I, and I totally understand that. I think, but that's important too because yeah. some people again, like they see it, they don't understand, you know, yeah. what's going on behind the scenes, and that's why I'm really asking these questions, you know, from my own personal curiosity, but also because I know, you know, somebody else is trying to do that and expand themselves. Is that things yeah. that they need to be paying attention to, whether they yeah. like it or not, you know? So, yeah. you know, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you, you can't do it alone. You can't right. do it alone. Mm-hmm. It's only only if you don't have the client right then maybe if you just have one or two client coming yeah but it's a point in time if you if you have like a large client base then you won't be you won't be able to handle the number of jobs coming you just right. have to subcontract hmm. you know and then get the job done yeah okay So, okay, just before before we end here, man, I, I think there's some intangibles that, you know, I think help people. And you just said you can't do it alone and not just, you know, with actual help. I think sometimes your uh, your own close circle as well kind of helps play a part in, in, in that. What role is family, faith, you know, friends, um, what role did they play in terms of helping motivate you and getting you to maybe where you are now and, you know, even going further? Yeah. Um, I, I would say I have one of the best uh, sets of friends around, you mm. know, uh, because my friends are more or less like my influencers and my <laughs> and my marketers, right? Right. So friends from church, friends from schools, you know, friends I meet online, you know, friends I get to meet through friends. Sometimes I go out and network with people. Right. You know. Yeah, but then my, my family has been very supportive. Um, yeah, in the sense that, you know, they give me the toilet 100% go ahead to do what I want to do without right. having to pay, you know, fashion is not 
it's not, you know, back then fashion it's not, you know, fashion is just coming up to be its thing now, right? right. So back then, to our parent fashion is not, it's not that not a viable career. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It's, 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 sometimes if they call you Taylor, you can be annoyed, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> but now when they call you Taylor, people looking at you, I'm like, oh, that's the designer, that's the Taylor guy, you know. Right. So, <laughs> right. So, so, but I, I so much appreciate my family because they actually supported me, irrespective of whatever they may think or what people might say about, you know, a male child being a Taylor. You know, mm. Taylor back then is always, you know, easy for the woman, you know. Right. Before, you know, yeah. So mm. they really supported me. And when I came to Canada, yeah, I had people from my church. They were, they were more like family that supported me and started referring me to people. Right. You know, I right. think I think my business grew solely on mouth-to-mouth referrals. Mm. Wow. You know, wow. so, and, and that wouldn't have happened if I do not have supportive friends that were willing to tell their friends and connect to this friend and connect to that friend and connect to, to the other friend, you know, mm. uh, because when I started my business, uh, Instagram and all this thing wasn't that they're just coming up, but they win that as big as they are now, big yeah. as they are now, you know, so, but right now, I mean, we have, I have, let me say it's 50% of my client coming from online Online right. referral, people would just see my stuff on Instagram and just DM me or email me or just book an appointment through my Square app and just say, you know, we saw your stuff online. We'd like to book an appointment with you, you know, without anybody referring them. Right. But I think the business grew up to this level based on mouth to mouth and friends referral right. and clients referring other clients based on what they've experienced from the brand. Yeah. Yeah, oh, man, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful to hear. <laughs> that's really, really cool. By the way, how, how do you come up with Zalahari? Where, where, where does that come from? <laughs> oh, okay. It's it's a long story, you know. Uh, it's a long story. Zalahari means um, beyond perfection, but um, hey. yeah, it's a long story back in Nigeria. Um, Okay, I'll, I'll unleash another part of myself now. So I used to, <laughs> I used to sing. Right. I still sing, though. I still sing. Really? I'm sure. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm a choir person in my church, so I still sing. But um, but back then, I was more into, like, um, secular music. Back oh, I then, see. I see. Back then. Um, so no secular music now? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm fully dedicated to the work of God, you know. So back then I used to, in college, I used to sing. Mm. Um, and there's this one of my song called um, Allah. Allah in Allah is Yoruba word for the English meaning dream, right? Mm. So, yeah. Um, at a point in time, I grew very popular in school, right? So I was contesting for, I was contesting for like a social um director for the SUG in my school then mm. in Nigeria and then um I got the nickname from my campaign from my campaign group they said okay since your song is popular it's good let's just use the song as as your name so that people can easily you know can easily collect even if people that have, that have not met you before but they've heard the song 
you can easily connect that right. song to you to yeah. that person right? right so and the song title was Allah. so they said okay most people will not understand you about the meaning of Allah. so why don't you just interpret it and make it easy for everybody to know what it means so they added dream to the Allah. so it became Dreamzala, right? It became Dreamzala Ada initial. That was my right. initial nickname in, in school then. So when I came to Canada, um, obviously I have to register my brand because um, I have to register my brand because you know that's you what, that's what I was without, to Yeah, you can operate without registering your brand name and everything. So I was going to register Dreamzala, but the uh, corporation stuff will not allow me to register Dream. They said there's been too many brand on the dream level that <laughs> obviously they don't know what we're all dreaming about but <laughs> <laughs> there have been too many brands that right. dream dream something dream something what's up with dream that you're not going to register anything that has that start or end with dream <laughs> anymore so i just had to take out the zala allow the dream to go and just take out the, the zala part and just you know just came up with zala Harry. You know, so it wasn't. Yeah, I don't know if it makes any connection, but no, nah, but we get I, it. We I, get I didn't it. just want to leave the Zala because I know that it's a, that's a brand already. Zara, it's right. sound so right. Similar, so you know, Zalahari. When I thought about, I was I was actually coming up with different names at that point in time just mm. to register my business so that I can you know I can start paying my taxes and uh, doing all those stuff on the for the brand so and i came up to zalahari and it, it makes sense to my ear you know i mm. I, sh I showed it to a couple of friends and it makes sense to them like okay let's just right. <laughs> let's just use zalahari so that's how zalahari came to to be, to be and then right now we have a new brand called david zala i've so, seen that yeah you've seen, seen that. that yeah so David Zala, it's a, it's a it's a subsection of Zalahari, right? right. So, so David Zala just focuses mainly on made-to-measure suits and right. best-profit making, right? So mm. why Zalahari will focus or service more of the um, the African PCs mm. and all those other, you know, and everything between, created, you know, creative design stuff, but. The David Zala, it's majorly a made to measure and best book suit, suit brand. Yeah. Awesome, man. That was good. I'm happy. I'm happy I asked that. I'm happy I would have been annoyed with myself. So, yeah, Zalahari, beyond perfection. Right? Yeah, beyond perfection. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yo, it's been great, man. And, and, and the David Zala slogan is main matters. But I oh. think a lot of women have been ang <laughs> kind of angry. Why would I? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe it should be, be like. Men, why would it be know? main matters? But. Um, um, maybe it should be like matters of men or something like that, you know, or some I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's not, you know. What I mean, you know, matter, I mean, like that's what it is now. Like you know, you read David Zala when you want to, you know, deal yeah. with matters for men. You know, that that's that's the that's the that's slogan. But hey, if there's anything, if it works, Shasha, just let me know. You know, give me some something no, here. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Oh, just joking. Um, so man you've been great man thanks for sharing your story um thanks yeah, for you know being very very honest and open i know some of these things are kind of hard to say and you know i know people might not be seeing the video of this but you were very very much um you know very passionate about it and and yeah. i always appreciate that i think that's what people really end up connecting to um so before i let you go though 
at the end, I always do this thing, or I don't always do it. I should do it tomorrow. <laughs> but it's called two takes, right? And the idea is that I want you to leave the listener with lessons that you've learned, you know, advice that you would give to someone who is following a similar path or trying to understand and find their way creatively. What two takeaways, essentially, you know, what are the two yeah. takes that you would leave someone with after kind of going through your story and your, your experience right now? My, my, num my number one thing I will always say to anybody, irrespective of what you're aspiring for or who you, how, how much you're trying to grow yourself is, never keep a sealed lip, always ask questions, always, always, always mm. ask, because you never know, you never know where the answers is going to come from, right? Mm. And if you don't, even, even the, the scripture, the Bible supports the saying, you know, ask and it should be given, mm -hmm. you know, but not necessarily that everything you ask would be given unto you, right? But it's just a way of saying you never know who is listening and who can be of help, who can be of solution. You know, I just, sometimes I just flash back at my journey and I just say, if I never approach my friend or I never ask him to teach me, or if I feel like, oh, at least it's my friend now, I'm, I'm feeling too big. Right. I, I, you know, I, I, I can't, why would I be asking my friend to, you know, maybe I won't be here today. So you never know who God is going to use, mm. or how God is going to solve that challenges or that situation that you're trying to solve, or that aspiration who, who God is going to use to help you move to the next level. So my number one take, I always tell everybody, either you're old or you're just born or you're in middle, Never keep a sealed lip. Always ask. Always ask. Even if you know, you can still ask to get more knowledge on that thing that you already know. Right? So, always ask. And number two, trust God. <laughs> trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Uh, have some faith. Sometimes, sometimes we, we listen to so many motivational speakers and everything, which is good. It's fine. We'll be patient, struggle, write your goals down. They are all good. They are all nice. But from my own personal experience, I don't think I'll be here without God. I always try to, that no matter what I do, I won't do it in line with God's purpose for my life. Because no matter what you do today, if, if you're not fulfilling purpose or you're not, you're not working in the direction that you have to, everything is just going to be what they call vanity upon vanity. You just... You're just walking in vain and you're not making any impact in life. So mm. always trust God. Trust God in the sense that God can solve that challenges that you're facing. Trust God in the sense that God can unveil that purpose to you. Mm. It might not seem like the brightest thing to people, but mm. if you have that conviction from God, it might not even seem like something making sense to you now, but in two years to now, you look back and you'll be happy with the decision you make because you've trusted God to lead you, just like myself. It, it doesn't make sense to me in the decisions I've made considering what I'm aspiring to be in life. But today, I can say I'm very much happy with myself and I feel fulfilled with the things that I'm doing because I joyfully do what I do without stress. You know, even if I've been stressed coming up into this time, but right now I don't feel stressed. I just do things with ease and I'm happy with everything that I'm, I may not be the richest or the biggest, but when I'm comfortable, I'm happy 
you know. So two things, like you asked me to say, <laughs> two things. <laughs> Never keep a sealed lip, always ask. Number two, trust God. Trust God for that solution. Trust God to help you find your purpose. It's very important to successful in life. Yeah, that's it. David, that was beautifully said. And thank you so much for taking the time, man. You've been awesome. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really, I really appreciate this time. You know, I'm, I'm glad I'm able to, you know, I'm glad I'm able to talk to you and obviously everyone that will be listening to this podcast later. They can learn, they can learn one or two things from from what I've said. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, just really inspirational story, man. And, um, you know, I'm happy you made the time. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing sure, sure. some 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 more times in the future. Definitely. Yes, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> man. Maybe I'll come to you and, um, you know, I think I might come for that double breasted. Man. <laughs> and that's the show. Like I said, real coming of age story, right? So, for my take, I'm excited to see how David grows and evolves, and I was really touched by the support of his family and friends, especially when it came to Canada. It's also interesting how tailoring and fashion design seem to already be in the blood, right? One major thing I appreciated about um, David is his approach to diversity. It's an interesting challenge, and I'm happy someone is trying to bridge that gap. Who knows what that looks like in the next 10 years? So, yeah. I hope you enjoyed the episode and while you're here, check out Zalahari and David Zala MTM, which is made to measure on Instagram. I'll leave the link in the show notes. As always, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. You can write to me at two takes and a pod at gmail.com. If not, you can just leave me a DM on two takes and a pod at Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to support the show so you keep getting quality conversations like this. Give me five stars across the board and leave a like on your streaming platform of choice. And of course, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been Two Takes on the Pod, and thank you so much for listening. Peace. Thank you, just like a scorpion do. If a demon get gregarious, my little hairy don't do what accordions do. That means bold. I was told by the G's of old. Keep your lady close, make sure she can work a pole. But they wasn't referring to strippers. I'm still by faith with the clippers. I done been blessed with a woman that pray heavy, but turn the freak on the liquor. She keeps the devil off me like the cherubim. She make it clear to hold that we ain't sharing them. I push the Eucanese like a chariot. They gave a legend, hey, we had to bury them all. Yeah. But that's how I be in the jungle yeah. I grew up around wildlings and mongrels yeah. Ready to slump you, yeah. you a jump you yeah. I rock the stars to be humble yeah. I told my baby girl she gon' have more in her head Than just product and bundles yeah. They say I'm rapping with hunger yeah. I tell them hell no I'm eating yeah. If you book me for a show and I can't bring my wife and my babies I'm leaving yeah. Yeah.